0: Welcome to Talking Giants Player Profiles and Projections, and today we have maybe the one I'm the most excited for and the player mm. I'm most excited for, wide receiver Kadarius Toney, 193 pounds, 23 years old, first round pick in 2021. Young Joker. Young Joker. He's a you know, star of training camp with his music and yes. his playing time. And going just kind of a quick synopsis of what Kadarius tony has been so far in the NFL, has been extremely exciting and disappointing. I know he played in 10 mm-hmm. games last year, essentially played, you know, in eight beca- or, or in seven because they didn't really use him in the first three weeks. Yeah. Um, Frustrating. He's, he's an electric player, but we need him to be on the field. And it really – like, it, I really do think Kadarius Tony will be a star with the biggest if of all time if he's healthy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And <sighs> – is it bad in my brain that I'm not even acknowledging that 2021 happened for Kadarius Tony? I'm only acknowledging the the fun parts of it, but I'm not acknowledging that it's so tough to talk about health. And I honestly, I'm dro- I'm gonna drop an f bomb uh, about a minute into this. I fucking hate talking about health. I hate talking about if this guy is healthy, if this guy is healthy, blah 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 blah. Because Kadarius Tony, when you're not factoring in the health, can be such an exciting player is an exciting player, even in a system and even in an offense last year that was so boring and clearly did not want to feature it him unless they had to, which that was the most frustrating part about his season, even more than his health, is that Jason Garrett and that Giants offense last year, they only featured Kadarius Tony literally when they had to because everyone else was hurt.
0: Yeah, and then they kind of they learned quickly, like, oh, wow, we oh, should wow. actually play this yeah. guy and use him and be a, a target on third down and, and trying to get big plays out of him. <laughs> You know, they drafted him in the first round. Last year he had 39 catches, 420 yards, zero touchdowns on a 68% catch rate. Yeah. Um, But he averaged 42 yards per game, which was was second best on the team to Sterling Shepard. So already second best on the team. But if you factor in the fact that when he the games he actually played, he averaged five catches for fifty-eight yards, which mm-hmm. would have been first on the team, you know, and that that essentially goes to a thousand-yard season. So, like, if the games he actually played, he was on pace for that. But he's an electric yeah. athlete who can play all over the field, outside, slot, wherever. He's going to play mostly on the outside uh, this year. Yep. And again, he had the off-season uh, knee surgery, and I know it's it's the if healthy, but when you look at his. In last year, he had COVID two times. That's Hopefully, that doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. Hamstring injury, quad injury, ankle injury, thumb injury, oblique injury, and shoulder injury. So, not even counting COVID, he had six different injuries last year. Well, when you put it like that, I forgot about all that. Well, clearly, I did ignore that in my brain, huh? Yeah, it's just, it's, <laughs> that's why it's, you know, when you talk about, oh, if. But with him, it's such a huge if it because is there element, was just yeah. so many different ways he got hurt. Yeah. you know and, and hopefully that was just an unlucky year and i'm not expecting him to you know I, i'm not even hoping for him to play 17 games every year yeah. but if we can get him for the major 75% of the games for most seasons and then you have the game years where you get 17 games or 16 games then you're going to have a guy who's going to be a game-changing player on the offense so i think he'll yeah. be the best play, like the best player on the offense
1: i had an idea to look up uh, like a new way to look at Performance when it comes to yards after the catch. I had an idea to look at uh, look at it like this, and Kadarius Tony was the guy that inspired that. So what I want to do is I want to look at the percentage of yards that come from yards after the catch. Kadarius Tony, two thousand twenty one. He had two hundred and twenty yards after the catch. He had four hundred and twenty total yards. That's fifty two percent of his total yards. Are coming after the catch. Let's compare that to Shep's 2020, who's not really known for, you know, he's not a tremendous yards after the catch guy, um, but, you know, he's an average wide receiver, gets open, yada, yada, yada. 2020 was a bigger sample size than 2021 for Shep. He had 204 yards after the catch, 656 yards, that's 31% of Shep's yards coming from yards after the catch. That's like a, that's a 21% difference um, from uh, Shep to Kadarius Tony. Golden Tate's 2019, which actually was somewhat pretty decent yards after the catch. Remember that big uh, touchdown that he had against the Jets? to lead off the second half. That was I
0: big, love 2019 like,
1: Golden Tate. Yeah, you, we, I don't want to debate about that again. But Golden Tate's 2019, 284 yards after the catch, 676 yards, 42% of Golden Tate's uh, um, uh, yards are coming after the catch. Uh, Darius Slayton, a very bad example looking at yards after the catch. 159 yards after the catch, 751 yards, that's 21%. And I did Brandon Ayuk, 2021. That's his second season. Brandon Ayuk, somewhat of a disappointing season. I would say Kadarius Toney's season was disappointing. Brandon Ayuk had 347 yards after the catch, 826 yards total. That's 42%. So even looking at Golden Tate's 2019, somewhat of a decent yards after the catch season. Brandon Ayuk, that's what that San Fran offense is known for. Kadarius Toney still at 10% more yards after the catch when you compare it to the total yards Ten percent more than those other guys. So it he had an insane, insane year. And there's more advanced metrics that I have to back up of his great yards after the catch ability.
0: Well, the, and that's the first real taste of him of him we got as a as a Giants fans. Well, first that Falcons game, they gave him a third down uh, ball third thrown and short, seven. ball yeah. thrown short of the sticks. He makes it like an incredible juke, makes the guy miss. And then versus the Saints, when all you know when Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard were injured. You have a third and 17 versus the Saints, (laughs) the Giants, who are bad at running screens. It wasn't very well blocked, and he made like eight guys miss on that and and turned a third and 17 into a first down. So, like, the yak ability is crazy, and we'll talk about other parts of his game, but, like, that's what makes him so exciting. It's not that he's just this guy that gets yak, but he can do so many other just receiving things well. And we
1: really didn't even get the chance to see that all that often.
0: That's the thing, though, where the the
1: yak plays, those are the plays that stand out, where he's catching the ball nearer at the line of scrimmage. And then usually when players sometimes run backwards, run sideways, you know, you always yell at the TV screen, run north and south, run north and south. Kadarius Tony's like the one guy on the field where I'm like, Yeah, you just do what you gotta do, man. Cause it looks like he's playing at a different speed and he's playing a different game than when everybody else is around. I mean, just the fast twitch muscle fibers that he's got. I mean, to take these second and twelves, these first and tens, these third and seven, third and nineteens, and just turn them into positive gains. I mean, it's it really is something that we haven't seen. At least as as Giants fans, yeah. and the advanced stats, like I said, they they back up that Kadarius Tony was good with the ball in his hands after the catch. I love looking at yards after the catch per, uh, per yards after the catch per reception over expectation. That's the metric that really separates. Is it is yards after the catch coming from schematics or is it coming from the player that's actually performing? Kadarius Tony was 11th in the NFL in yards a, in yards after the catch per reception over expectation with plus 1.6. In an offense that Jason Garrett just did not care about your after catch, it was so bad. He should be top five this year.
0: And I want to expand on that because on on both those points, you know that point and the whole uh, north south versus east west. Yeah, he was in an offense that didn't breed that. No. Okay, so a lot of those he was breaking four, or five tackles or two or three tackles. Hopefully, in this new offense, we're still going to rely on him to get yak and break tackles. But how about an opportunity where Kadarius Tony could beat one tackle? Yeah. And then he's and then he's to the house, or mm-hmm. adding an extra twenty yards yeah. by breaking that one tackle. Instead of when you're playing the Bucks, and it's like he's got five catches for <laughs> forty eight yards, but they're, they're essentially all yeah. Cause they're and you're quick seeing passes.
1: and you're seeing plays where he's literally avoiding like four or five guys on a given play because for he, a five <laughs> yard play, <laughs> yeah, it's and it's crazy. So I, I have written down here, you know, some of the things that we've seen during training camp. Uh, I'm getting way too excited about Kadarius Tony. Seeing him at training camp, I kind of before camp, I didn't want to have too many high expectations. Like you're over the moon, like you think he can be a superstar. I'm trying to contain myself a little bit, but this training camp has got me has got me all in. I mean, push passes, sweeps, screens, these things that you know you see. Brian Dable, but especially coming from the Kansas City side of things, what you know, Mike Kafka and the Kansas City Chiefs have been able to do with getting the ball and their you know getting the ball in their weapons' hands, it has me so excited for what Kadarius Tony could do.
0: Well, let's talk about just normal wide receiver play besides Jack and yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. All, and all those uh, uh, manufactured touches. As a route runner, he needs to work on some timing stuff. He's not he's not the most reliable when it comes to timing, but the way he works leverage and it's like okay this guy's playing inside bam I'm going out works leverage is extremely good and that stuff like that ability to cut that's something that Juan Dale struggles with like he, yep. you know he doesn't work that leverage so he's able to get open running the regular route tree and we talked about the elusiveness but the speed is awesome he's not the fastest guy in the NFL but the speed is awesome to get him vertical you mm-hmm. saw that happen at Florida versus you know versus Alabama in the SEC championship where he just beat a guy off the off the uh they release, and you have a 50-yard touchdown down, down the sideline. So working those things. And everyone brings up the Cowboys game, which obviously was his best game, was amazing, uh, and the Saints game. But remember the Rams game? Yeah, you love talking about this. I do. I've, I've brought it up 10 times, and hopefully <laughs> there's some more games of Kedarious Tony where I don't have to bring it up as much. They, p- they had five passing plays. You had three catches for 36 yards. Mm. One was on a third, and thir- a third and 15 speed out. That's a regular route. But because of his ability, because of the way the Rams were afraid to play Kadarius Tony, bam, he works. He starts inside, pops back out. You just convert a third and 15 on a normal route, yeah. a normal timing route. You take a curl route, and you beat one guy, and you're up the field. And I can't remember what the third one was, but he was going on, on pace to have – Another amazing game coming mm-hmm. off that Dallas game, and then got hurt, which again has been the story of Kadarius Tony. But he has that ability to run the regular route trees, you know, do things to convert on third and long. But you know, like you said, manufacturing ways to get Kadarius Tony the ball. But like with the yak, let's get to where he has to break one tackle with the scheme and, and not five. four tackles yeah. to make it a salvageable <laughs> play.
1: Um. Yeah. You. You mentioned slot versus out wide before. He sixty percent of the uh, snaps he took in the slot last year. Forty percent out wide. It's going to switch this year. It's going to switch this year. Um. And then also here's a little here's a little quiz for you. Don't look at my notes. So Sterling Shepard, we all know, led the team in targets on third down. It's it's what he's done the last couple years. Um. But uh. I mean, this is the Kadarius Tony PPP. I didn't phrase that right. Who was the guy that led the team in targets under pressure when Daniel Jones was under pressure and then when Daniel Jones was facing the Blitz, Bobby?
0: Um, Colin Johnson. I'll go Kadarius Tony. Yeah,
1: you are right. Kadarius Tony. Under pressure, Tony received 14 targets. And then versus the Blitz, Tony received 20 targets. And that led the team in
0: both categories. With the way they're currently set up, the roster, Sterling Shepard, uh, played when, she, when he was on the field with Tony, played mostly slot. Wondell is a slot guy. Um, you know, yeah, this year, yeah. Tony has that outside-inside versatility. He's going to play more so on the outside. We've seen that so far in camp. Obviously, they move these guys around, but he's going to play outside, and I think he's going to do it well. Um, and speaking of outside, and we could finish off with this. I have something too. Okay, have what you have, and I will finish off with contested catches. Oh,
1: no, I want to do contested catches because what I have is a projection. So you do contested.
0: Probably catches. the weakest part of his game coming out of Florida was the ability to make contested catches. He just doesn't have it. Wrong. Well, when he's had the opportunity, he's done well, including In training camp, camp as this well. Year. And it's not always pretty, really not. But he's had those opportunities, and he's basically come down with every single one of those. So you know, it's not going to be. He's not your contested catch guy. But if you throw a ball on the sideline in the corner, he's he's shown the ability in a year in a training camp to go uh, bring that ball down. Tyreek Hill's second year in 2017.
1: If Kadarius Toney has a 75 catch year, 105 targets, seven touchdowns, a lot, 71.4% catch rate, and 1,183 yards, we're over the moon with that, right? Yes. I mean, touchdowns. Now, I actually want to talk about his touchdowns. Um, do you have anything to say about catches, targets, catch rate, yards, etc.? cetera? No. No. Um, if, if healthy, that I, if, if he gets the 75 catches on that 100, 105 targets that over 1,000 yards, like, yes, plus, that is what we expect. But seven touchdowns, that seems like a lot, but we really only saw one red zone practice at the time that this PPP is coming out. Um, they did target. These slot guys, the smaller guys, Kadarius Tony, Wandell, Robinson, they were targeting them a lot in the red zone. So hey, you never know. Could yeah. get up there.
0: Yeah, and again I I think his he's a guy whose touchdown numbers will fluctuate year for the year. Yeah. There'll be a year where he has two. It, 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 that's usually out, what happens healthy. in the NFL. I feel. Yeah, but more so with a guy like Kadarius Tony. Yeah. Like, could you see him having a, a a year like that? Yeah, we have a year where it's like, you know what, he's been amazing, but he didn't have the huge touchdown numbers. Like, I don't think he's a guy like Odell who's just going to get that every single year. Right. But I'm, I'm very excited for Kadarius Tony. Anything else before we move on to Take Crowder? No,
1: stay healthy, please, and low key kind of be the best player on the offense
0: and go to Bearburger.
1: Oh, and and go to Bearburger. That's right. Do you do we think a uh, you think we can get Kadarius Tony at a Bear Burger? No. What do you think he'd be like?
0: Uh, I think he would. He'd have to get the trust of Bear Burger. So he needs to keep watching our ads and, and get more trust of Bear Burger. Do
1: you think he's an elk burger, ostrich burger, bison burger,
0: or like a regular burger kind of guy? Regular burger. Regular, regular guy. burger? Yeah. You don't think he'd go wild and be like, I want to try an ostrich burger? I don't know. It might take a Pat Leonard burger. Is he, oh, wow.
1: We should, we should try and get Bear Burger to make a Pat Leonard burger, but make it bad. No. No? Because nothing at Bear Burger is bad. And they have something for everyone, yes, even you. They're a burger joint, but they're not the type to be bogged down by the labels. Their menu is filled with options for everyone, regardless of dietary preferences. Whether you're 100% vegan or you think ketchup is a vegetable, they won't judge. Pat Leonard Pat Leonard thinks uh, ketchup, is a uh, ketchup
0: is a vegetable. I wish Pat Leonard was a vegetable.
1: There's only one dietary restrictions. Oh, that's really mean. <laughs> that's made to taste great. Um, Bear Burger Kitchen and Bar, we mentioned that they have elk burgers, ostrich burgers, bison burgers, a lot of exotic burgers. And for me, I'm getting kind of bored by the typical chain, getting kind of bored with my burger options. You know, I don't want a burger you know that just has Swiss cheese on it or you know a, a cheeseburger with bacon on it. I want something that's a little different, and Bear Burger's got that. So click the link in our description to find yourself at your new favorite happy hour spot, burger joint, and luncheon. Bear Burger Kitchen and Bar, they're sponsoring our, these PPPs. Thank you to Bear Burger.
0: All right, Tay Crowder, and his name is Crowder, not Crawford anymore because Dave mm. Gellman is gone. <laughs> Six-foot-three, 235 pounds, him. 25 years old, 2020, the 755th – not 700, the 255th overall pick, Mr. Irrelevant. In the seventh Tay round. Tay Crowder. very, He's still fairly new to the linebacker position. You know, he played running back in Georgia until the final two seasons, now entering his third year in the NFL – Just some raw stats this past year in 17 games, 130 tackles, three tackles for a loss, zero sacks, two interceptions. Fun fact, both of his interceptions were versus running backs. Mm, David Montgomery and Jalen Hurts. In 2020, he had 11 games played, but nine actual games at linebacker, 57 tackles, three tackles for a loss, and a sack. Justin Tate Crowder was a guy we liked going into last year, but he really struggled in 2021. Yeah. As the inside linebacker one with Blake Martinez down and, take, and taking the green dot and being the play call of the defense, he really, really struggled. And the question with Tay Crowder now is how well does he play in his third year in the NFL but not with those inside linebacker one duties because he cannot, he cannot be a successful player as an inside linebacker one. Before I
1: talk about how I did not like Tay Crowder's 2021 season, I'm going to start off with something positive. Um, I I did a a Giants history show called Bleeding Blue, and one of the exercises that we did this year is we went through each round of the NFL draft for the New York Giants and their history, and what players are the best taken from each round. Tay Crowder is already one of the best seventh-round draft picks in Giants franchise history, and he will continue to be one of the best and continue to move up in, like, you know, the respect especially if he plays out his rookie deal and he is a starter and he's still a significant player that's kind of hanging around. So I want to throw that out there.
0: Tay Crowder, kind of awesome, kind of cool that he's, you know, seventh-round pick, Mr. Irrelevant. And I thought he was underdrafted too. Remember, like, they drafted TJ Brunson a linebacker. I was like, Tay Crowder's a much better player than TJ Brunson. Mm -hmm. In fact, I liked him a lot more than the few guys they drafted before him. I thought he was like a fourth-round pick. So I want to provide that context. But Tay Crowder
1: did not have a good 2021. I, I think he was put in a very, very bad spot um, with Blake Martinez going down and then him being thrusted into interior linebacker number one. You can already make an argument that he was thrusted into the starting lineup in 2020 to begin with because he's a seventh-round pick and being interior linebacker number two because everyone else was uh I mean, as of the it was the kind Mr. Of
0: Irrelevant, he was starting in week five.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, he... Handled the interior linebacker one duties last year not very well, but you know kept helped keep the defense afloat. Um, and because I think Patrick Graham was playing those two high shells, and they're really trying to prevent the explosive play. You know, so often teams are targeting the intermediate part of the field against the Giants last year. That take that Tay Crowder was targeted a lot, and uh, you know I know the coverage stats are very suspect on. You know, Pro Football Reference and uh, Pro Football Focus, but they both had him being targeted like over seventy-five times last year. which that, which that is a lot. That is a lot of times that you are targeted.
0: Yeah, but I, I think the main thing is just the run game. Like he was, like as yeah, the inside tackles, linebacker yeah. one, and part of it, like you said, was Patrick Graham went to some more lighter boxes where in twenty twenty they didn't. They you know they had every gap accounted for on more, the majority of snaps. But with that and having the linebacker one do duties, he was a sl- he was slow processing what the uh, uh, running what the offense was doing in front of them. He would miss his keys sometimes. Yeah, like he'd be staring at the running back and the guards are pulling. Like remember the Cowboys, you know the guards are pulling and Tate Crowder's just sitting there staring at the running back. It's like no, you you got to follow those yeah. guards. And the Cowboys are able to get a lot of yards outside the tackles. Um, he was bad taking on blocks and he didn't have great angles. You know there was you know which led to big rushing games and and I think this is. Not the the big rushes that was the biggest issue with the Giants' rushing defense. It was the fact that they could get four yards pretty easily. No, yes, one hundred percent. Yeah. Now he was also hampered by having weak edges outside the run game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's what the thing comes down to: He was at his best playing next to Blake Martinez, playing fast, free. Gap responsibility uh, next to Blake Martinez, Mm -hmm. whether it was, you know, you shoot a gap. You saw a lot of plays like that. They use him as a pass rusher at times. He looked better in coverage. You know, he was able to get back. You know, Blake Martinez was able to call things out. He's not worrying about, you know, signaling to other guys. Like, there was a lot to like about Tay Crowder, his rookie season, but that's all soured after last year, which which was, was pretty damn bad. Yeah. Pro football reference, which I,
1: I trust a lot of the stuff that they do they only had him on the hook for a 5.8 missed tackle rate and he did have over a 100 tackles last year but it felt it just felt a lot worse and you know what what is counted as a missed tackle? Obviously when you maybe take a bad angle on a ball or you just flat out whiff uh, on a tackle where you're, you're falling at somebody's ankles does that count as a missed tackle? I don't know, but with the eye test it was it was certainly a lot worse. there was uh, the one play that I thought was really the worst is Tom Brady like like, almost hurtled over him. He, like, put a stiff arm down. Tom Brady yes. was scrambling. And then Tay Crowder, like, fell at Tom Brady's ankles. It's like, dude, that's Tom Brady. You kind of have to tackle him. And that was on, that was on national television. So here, here's what I want to ask you. How do you fix Tay Crowder? Is it simply just him being interior linebacker number two and then he can kind of do what he wants and, and, and fly gap to gap, whatever? How do you fix Tay Crowder?
0: That's a big part of it. But, like, he's, he's got a good ability to slip through blocks but he really needs to learn how to take them on and deconstruct them with a better, with better strength and a better plan. Mm-hmm. You know, when hey, like hey, this this a guard is climbing up to me. I know which shoulder to attack. I know what to do with my hands. I know how to, you know, to if, if I got to rip through, swim through, or just bully him up and take him on and and drive through with my feet. So it's just. He's never going to be the greatest. Like He's never going to be Blake Martinez where it's like, man, this guy just knows how to take on blocks right. every play. But having a, more of a plan and not being as reactionary and just playing fast and free and playing in a more gap responsibility uh, defense, which he, they will do with Wink Martindale, mm-hmm. and playing freer and like, hey, man, go shoot this gap. Play play free. That's where Tate Crowder is going to be at his best.
1: Yeah, the Philly interception was awesome last year. You mentioned how running back through that—I mean, that was huge. That was an interception that was down in the red zone. The Eagles were driving. I believe it was at the end of the first half. It was
0: the last play of the first um, half.
1: Giants had a, as everybody knows, the Giants had a, a lot of trouble, um, whether it's scoring points or just allowing points at the end of the first half. So that was big, and that was a, uh, you know, pretty big win too. Um, he makes plays. Uh, remember the Washington game? You know, his rookie year, uh, the, the the fumble return for a touchdown. I feel like there are times where Tay Crowder makes plays, and he's fun. But I think need more ju-
0: consistency down and down. Just out.
1: avoid the disaster moments, really. Where I'm watching the game on Sunday, and you know it's tough to see you know uh, everything from the broadcast angle. So really, if I'm ta- if I'm looking at the broadcast angle, and I'm able to clip it the day of, of Tay Crowder had a really really bad play here. You know he missed he he missed an angle, misjudged something. If I'm seeing that, that's not great. So avoid those disaster moments, and hopefully teams stop a. Uh, you know, motioning out their running backs, and then Tay Crowder has to go out and guard and and, and cover them because it led to a lot of big passing plays last year.
0: He now has competition with Darren Beavers and Micah McFadden on the team, so it's it's kind of now or never for him to solidify a starting role. He's yeah. he started he started camp so far with the with the ones. Um, it's up to him to beat all these guys out. He wasn't drafted by this new regime; they just drafted two linebackers, um, one in the fourth round, one in the sixth round. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I hate that the tide has chi- changed on Tay Crowder because at the at the beginning of his career, he was the seventh round pick who I was he banging on the table like you need to play this guy over Devonte Downs, and he was fun. And then last year, really soured on him. So I want, I hopefully we could get back to a, a good middle ground of just a solid player with Tay Crowder. So yeah, well, you know when you compare him to Devontae Downs, it's not a high bar. No, but he he <laughs> but he did look good his rookie year. Like, no, he did. Like people did. were excited, and it was and it was it was deserved. So. Uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow we'll have some recap of camp another interview check out all the other player profiles and projections camp live streams uh, Justin doing hand signals when I'm finishing podcasts until then let's go big blue